Hey everybody, Worldwide Jew here, and today we're going to be talking about Georgian Jews, otherwise known as, otherwise known as Gruzim. And by Georgian Jews, I'm referring to a unique ethnic group who have lived in the, Georgia for almost 3,000 years, not Jews who, ju who simply just live in Georgia. Also, not to be confused, confused with Jews who live in the state of Georgia and the United States of America, but I'm talking about a unique e ethnic group of Georgians originate from the country of Georgia and Europe, like, you know, uh, um, not uh, Ashkenazi Jews who live in Georgia, and not, um, you know, like, Sephardi Jews who live in Georgia, but, you know, a unique group of Georgian Jews who lived in Georgia for almost 3,000 years. The sections of this episode are as follows. Some general information, some general information and observances on the Georgian Jews, the uniqueness of the Georgian Jews, language of the Georgian Jews, history of the Georgian Jews, Georgian Jewish food, Georgian Jews in Georgia and the country of Georgia and the diaspora, Georgian Jews in Israel, and personal experiences and conclusions on Georgian Jews. Anyways, let, let's get into it. Georgian Jews, Kartveli Erelelebi, are one of the oldest, uh, that's in Georgian by the way, I don't know how to speak it properly, so I probably butchered that pronunciation so much, are one of the oldest communities in Georgia. Tracing their migration into the into the countries during the Babylonian captivity in 6th century BCE. Prior to Georgia's annexation by Russia, the 2,600 year history of the Georgian Jews was marked by almost absolute total absence, uh, by an almost total absence of anti-Semitism and a visible assimilation into the Georgian language and culture. The Georgian Jews were considered ethnically and culturally distinct from the neighboring mountain Jews. They were, they were also traditionally a highly separate, separate group from the Ashkenazi Jews in Georgia, who arrived following the Russian annexation of Georgia. The Jews of Georgia are divided into two groups. Georgian Jews who have a 2,600 year history in the region, while the Ashkenazim who came to the country during the Russian annexation in the early 19th century. Today, there are approximately 3,000 Jews living in Georgia. There have been Jews in Georgia for 26 centuries. They are, the first are said to have settled in western Georgia during the Babylonian times following the invasion of Israel. Further waves of people entered enter fleeing persecution by the Byzantine Empire. Locals claim that at one point there were there was a vibrant community of 250,000 Jews living in the Georgian capital of Sibili alone. The Georgian Jews traditionally lived separately, not only from the surrounding Georgian people, but also from the Ashkenazi Jews in Sibili, who had different practices and language. Georgian-speaking Jews is one of the oldest uh, surviving Jewish communities in the world. The Georgian Jews have an approximately 2,600 year history in the region. The origin of the Georgian Jews, also known as Gurjim or Kartaveli Erelebi, is debated. The most popular view is that the first Jews who made their way to, to southern Georgia after Nebuchadnezzar's conquest of Jerusalem in 586 BC and Exxon Babylon. This claim is supported by the medieval jo Georgian historical account Leonti Morvelli, who writes, Then King Nebuchadnezzar captured Jerusalem. The Jews who fled, who fled thence came to Kartli and requested from the Mamaskili, local ruler of Mitzahecha territory, in return for tribute. He gave a place and settled them on Arag, Arag, Aragvi at spring, which was called Zanavi, which was later named as Zanavi, the court of the Jews. Another version authored by Rovelli was the settlement of, Jew, of the Jews in Georgia during the Roman period of the Emperor Vespasian. He wrote that Jews lived in Georgia long before the 1st century AD. According to Rovelli, during their Bartom and Kartom's reign, Vespasian, the Emperor of the Romans, captured Jerusalem. From there, refugee Jews came to Meshetcha and settled with the old Jews. 
The ancient Georgian Historical Chronicle, The Conversion of Kartli, is the oldest and only Georgian source concerning the history of the Jewish community in Georgia. The chronicle describes a version similar that, to that offered centuries later by Leontini, Leonti Morovelli, but the period of Jewish migration into Georgia is ascribed to Alexander the Great. The warlike seed, the Honi Jews, exiled by the Chaldeans, came to Kartli and requested the land for tribute from the lord of the Bunturks, suburb of Mishtecha, and they, Jews, settled in Zanavi, and they possessed it. Georgian sources also refer to the uh, arrival of the first Jews in western Georgia from the Byzantine Empire during the 6th century BCE. Approximately 3,000 Jews of uh, 3,000 of Jews fled to eastern Georgia, which was, by the time was controlled by the Persians, to escape severe persecution by the Byzantines. The existence of the Jews in these regions during this period is supported by the archaeological evidence, which shows that Jews lived in Meshecha, the ancient capital of the eastern Georgian state of Iberia, Kartli. According to uh, Georgian hiography, Jewish communities existed in Georgia in the first century. In the first century. A, Jew, a Georgian Jew called Elias was said to be in Jerusalem during the crucifixion and brought, brought Jesus' robe back with him to Georgia. He had acquired it from a Roman soldier at Golgotha. The, the Jews spoke Georgian, and later Jewish traders developed a the dialect called Kivruli, or Judeo-Georgian, which, in, which included a number of Hebrew, loan, of Hebrew words. In the second half of the 7th century, the Muslim Empire conquered extensive Georgian territory, which became an Arab Cal province. Arab emirs ruled in the Georgian capital, Sibili, and surrounding territory for nearly 500 years, until 1122. Genetic studies carried out on Georgian Jews as a part of a wider survey showed close genetic links with other Jews, and in particular with Iraqi and Persian Jews. This seemed to prove the historical accounts of Jewish migration from Persia to Georgia. The Hebrew regions were Kartli of the Hellenistic period and in Mishehetha and Urbanisi. This is where the ethnic and religious communities were situated. The Jews maintained their cult centers, the so-called Hebrew sanctuaries, which served as the, which served as the first synagogues. It is known that there, over, there were other Jewish settlers that arrived in Georgia, where some were from Eastern Europe, Khazaria, and Spain. The Jewish community living in Georgia adopted the Georgian language, Georgian folk rituals, as well as to local, as popular custom and habits. At the same time, they remained deeply loyal to Judaism. The Jews toiled and fought side by side with the Georgians, for Georgia became a second homeland to them. Therefore, they felt committed and took care of the process and further development of the country in the same way as the Georgians themselves did. It is known that Georgian Jews have intermarried with the local population. Many of them kept the Jewish tradition and their spouses would adapt to the Jewish culture. Their spouses generally did not convert, but rather adapted to the Jewish tradition. There are some Georgian Jews who are registered as Georgians and not Jews, but no real reliable estimates of the number was available. The Georgian Jews lived mostly in Sibili, Cephalus, the capital of Georgia, the other centers being, uh, I'm going to butcher all these names for sure, uh, Kwaatsi, Kulashi, Shinvali, Gori, Oni, Sakhir, Senaki, uh, Zugdidi, as well as, many, as well as in many other cities, towns, and villages of Georgia. Georgian Jews succeeded in maintaining Jewish tradition better than most other former Soviet Jewish communities, and the level of Jewish religious knowledge is considerably higher than in other, for other former Soviet republics. Developing over the centuries their own dialect, Kruvuli, Georgian Jews are, began, um, are mainly engaged in agricultural activities, which explains in particular the presence of settlements throughout the territory, and not only in large urban centers. Today is a distinction is made between the synagogues of Georgian Rite and those of Ashkenazi Rite. It is the rise of the Zionist movement in Russia that will allow, at the end of the 19th century, the, de uh, the development of context. 
hitherto limited between the two, two communities. Rachel Arbell and Lily McGall inform us, in their, inform us in their essay, Way of Life and Customs, for World the Congress of Georgian Jews, the clothing of Georgian Jews re resembled that of the non-Jews, and up to the beginning of the 20th century, Jews, too, wore the traditional Georgian costume. The women's garments consisted of a long-sleeved shirt or a, of cotton or linen, which served as an undergarment, above, above it a long-sleeved dress, open in the front with a no-lek revealing the undershirt. The head covering, Chiktal Kupti, Kupi, consisted of a velvet crown, sewn onto cardboard, embroidered with metal or colored silk, th thread, and decorated with beads. The men's garments included a kocha, a knee-length woolen, woolen coat, black or sometimes gray, white or red. It was fitted to the waist and belted with a leather belt and a, with a silver buckle. Across the chest, there were two ammunition belts decorated with ribbons. Beneath the kocha, the men wore a high-necked white, high -necked white or black shirt, fastened with a line of tiny buttons. Georgian Jews loved music and dancing. Arbel Magal wrote that their instruments included their gamani, a kind of accordion, the duduki, uh, wooden wind instruments and several several string instruments and drums. Most Georgian, Georgian Jews wed wed as a result of arranged marriages and didn't know their spouses before the marriage ceremony. The groom to be gave a gazvila bride price to his bride to his bride to be's parents. After getting married, the groom would continue to live in the same house as his parents, but his wife would, of course, join him. Georgian Jews were traditionally rabbinical Jews for whom the synagogue played an important part of community life. They're guided by the rabbi, the chacham. Georgian Jewish culture, although it preserves its distinct characters, is integrated into Georgian culture. Many jo Georgian Jews, scholars, writers, artists, financiers, doctors, sportsmen, people active in government or public life, are active participants in Georgian life. Historically, Jews in Georgia lived together in one village or quarter, where their, house, where their houses of worship and places of social and cultural significance were located. School of Jewish scribes, translators, and theologians were widely known. The Meshcheta religious community commanded particular respect. Meshcheta was, with the sanctuary, Bagini, the center of Georgian Jude, Judaism. It was here that, according to legend, the Shroud of St. Eli and the Tunic of uh, Jesus Christ were buried, having been brought from the from Jerusalem by the Meshech Jews. Georgian Jews all, always maintained strong ties to Jerusalem. They corresponded and actively took part in religious debates. The Jewish diaspora was distinguished by its own culture and communal organization. The Georgian Jew, uh, the Georgian historical tradition connects to the rise of the first Christian community in Iberia, Kartli. In the first century, with Jews residing in the vicinity of Meshecha, the first members of the Christian community had been Jews, and the first Christian church was a formerly Jewish sanctuary upon which, the permit, with the permission of Jewish clergyman Abitar, St. Nino erected a cross. Although majority of the, of the Jewish population of Georgia lost its language, retaining it only for religious use, it succeeded in carrying through the centuries a stable way of life, retaining its ethnic self-awareness and adherence to religious traditions of its ancestors. The traditional Osnomatics has was were preserved as well, on the basis of which family names were structured, built on Georgian models of word formation for personal naming. Jews in Georgia, since the ancient times, have been called Georgian Jews, evidence of the social and psychological intermingling of these two peoples and of their cultural closeness. Georgian Jews were not subjected to ethnic or religious persecution. The kings of Georgia entrusted them with diplomatic missions and sought their advice on trade with neighboring countries. In difficult times, Jews took up arms in defense of their homeland. Marriages among Georgian Jews were, as a rule, endogamous. The Georgian Jewish marriage ceremony was tied to the agricultural calendar in fall and beginning of winter. It was associated with the harvesting of crops, particularly of grapes, in the spring, with the rebirth of nature. The ceremony, this ceremony preserves completely the wedding traditions of Jews of biblical times. It is a mystery play representing the union of heaven and earth, fertilization on earth, and the growth of plants.
The traditional closest of the Jewish family is grounded in tradition of loyalty and moral behavior with, of the spouses, particularly the wife. Raised in strict accordance with ancient traditions, she was to be modest and discreet in relations with men, particularly those with her father-in-law and the older brothers of her husband. A daughter-in-law might not address her father-in-law for years, and if she did, she would call him Batona, Lord, Sir. She would also address her mother-in-law and her husband, old, husband's older brothers respectfully. As a rule, Georgian Jews lived in large and extended families. At the beginning of the 12th century, with the introduction of capitalism into the villages and for other socio-economic reasons, large families began to break more down into frequently small, frequently more frequently into small nuclear families. Primary occupations of men were agricultural work, craftsmanship, and trade. Work that fell into the category of men's obligations was directed to the, by the elder male, usually the father. After the father's death, the oldest son was supposed to become the head of the family and to be endowed with the same rights and to command the same respect as the father. The head of the family would distribute current and seasonal work, watch over its timely accomplishment, regulate uh, relations with the outer world, and pr provide for the family's need, give children in marriage, and divide property. At the same time, to be the head of the family did not mean to direct affairs only in accordance with one's own desires in deciding questions that were important for the family. The head of the family usually consulted the household. Prim primary responsibilities of women were childcare and domestic work. Household chores were divided among the daughters or daughters-in-law and the mother-in-law. The eldest woman, usually the mother-in-law, directed the woman's work. She was in charge of everything in the home and, da and daughters-in-law unquestionably followed her instructions. Among the personal responsibilities of the mistress of the house were the baking of the bread and the preparation of food. All remaining housework was performed by the da by daughters-in-law. In the event of death or incapac incapacity of the mother-in-law, the responsibilities of the mistress of the, mistress of the house were passed to the eldest daughter-in-law. Women's contributions to the agriculture activity was minimal. It was considered a disgrace for women to engage in ag agricultural work, plowing, sowing, weeding. They participated only in harvesting. In the family, great attention was paid to the teaching of children. Boys from a young age were included with a love for crafts and trained in agricultural works. Girls in housework and needlework. 10 to 12 year old girls were expected to have mastered these tasks. In feudal Georgia, the socioeconomic and legal status of Jews were almost identical to that of the general Georgian population. Socially, Jewish serfs were, were on the same footing as Georgian serfs and bore equally to the heavy yoke of oppression by feudal lords. Like Georgians, Jew Jewish serfs were divided into royal, church monastic, monastic and court, court serfs. They were, they were among Georgian Jews, both important traders who, possess, who possessed estates and serfs, the tenants and, and tenants and craftsmen. Later, when the Russian aristocracy abolished the Georgian kingdom in 1801, the condition of Ju Jews were worsened significantly. The laws of Tsarist Russia automatically extended to the Jews, an effect of stripping them of their civil rights and sharply limiting their choice of occupation, place of residence, and education. After the abolition of serfdom, and many Georgian Jews, having lost their land, that is, their economic base, and their socio-political rights, were compelled to take up petty trading uh, other sought with great difficulty, uh, were compelled to take up petty trading, other sought with great difficulty, to make a living by agricultural work and in the, and in the trades. Jewish craftsmen found, founded trade unions, pr primarily for purposes of solidarity. Most Jews were engaged in small craftsmanship, as much for the satisfaction of personal needs as for sale. Since the ancient times, these Jews have been known as Georgian Jews. They preserved their identity and see themselves as descendants of the ten tribes of the Israelites who were exiled to Medea by the Assyrians. Their culture was integrated into the Georgian culture, but it still retains its distinct character. They are very Zionistic in their hearts and love Israel very much, but they see Georgia as their homeland. The family structure of Georgian Jews is monogamous, one wife, one husband, and the, and, and the line of this descent is matrilineal, lineage traced through the female. Since the beginning of the 12th, 20th century, the extended families of 
the past have largely given way to nuclear families. Family members are very close-knit and loyal to each other. High moral standards are typ typical of Georgian Jewish families. In the past, the marriage ceremony, the marriage ceremony of Georgian Jews was intricately tied to the agriculture calendar. In the fall and the beginning of winter, ceremonies were associated with the harvesting of crops, particularly grapes. Spring ceremonies were associated with the rebirth of nature. These ceremonies were, were performed as mystery plays, representing the union of, he of heaven and earth, for the fertilization of earth and the growth of plants. The practice, the practice of traditional Jewish wedding customs has declined in this century and may, longer, may, lo may no longer be practiced at all. Georgian Jews work as scholars, writers, artists. Georgian Jews today work as scholars, writers, artists, financiers, doctors, and sportsmen. Many are active in government and public life. Their homes are typically built with stone and wood, are colorfully, plant are colorfully planted, painted, and, ha and have large decorated balconies. Although most of their homes are located in the, are on the hills of, around Tbilisi, others are found along the alleys. Of, uh, others are found along the alleys of the street, streets of the city. Bread is a staple food of the Georgian Jew. Kosher food is occasionally available to them, but as a result of the poor condition of the economy, it is difficult for them to buy food with the salaries they are paid. I'll be linking an article uh, to the fact that uh, some Georgian Jews are living in poverty, written by uh, Vice. They maintain their Jewish traditions much, much more so than the, most of the other Jews of the former Soviet Union. Their knowledge of the Jewish religion is also considerably higher than that of the Jews in the other former Soviet republics. Over the centuries, Jews arrived in several waves of migration and settled across Georgia. It is not clear how, how many there were, but according to one source, they were so numerous that many George, Georgian Jew, Georgians spoke Jewish. Traditionally, the Jews lived together in a village or, or a quarter centered around a school and a synagogue. Meshecha was the center of Georgian Jewish life. Meshechic Jews kept close contact with Jerusalem and were said to have brought back the Shroud of St. Eli and the, tr the tunic of Jesus Christ from Jerusalem and, and are buried in Meshecha. According to tradition, the first Christians in Georgia were formerly Jews, and the church was formerly a Jew, and the first church was formerly a former Jewish sanctuary. Most Jews lost the language and spoke Hebrew only for religious purposes. They kept their Jewish religious religious rituals alive and referred to as Georgian Jews since ancient times. They became so woven to the fabric of Georgian life. The kings of Georgia sought their advice, and they were entrusted as envoys on diplomatic missions. In feudal Georgia, Jews enjoyed almost the same rights as the status of non-Jews. Jewish serfs more or less lived under the same conditions as non-Jewish serfs. Rich Jews traded and owned estates and served themselves and served and served themselves and Jews took up arms to protect their homeland. The situation of the Jews worsened under Tsarist Russia. Many of the rights were taken away and they were only allowed to do certain kinds of work. Under the Soviets, their situation improved and then mirrored that of other Soviet Jews. Georgian Jews mostly married among themselves in a ceremony that harked back to biblical times, featuring a mystery play representing the union of heaven and earth and the formation of the earth and growth of plants. Jewish wives were expected to honor tradition and be modest and discreet, particularly towards their father and older brother-in-laws. The primary work of, the, of male Georgian Jews has been agricultural crafts and trade. Workers are uh, often organized through the, an extended family of community presided over by a senior patriarch, who divided out work. Women were responsible for raising children and doing domestic work. The chores were directed by senior women. Women generally did not participate in agricultural activities because it was considered beneath them. Jewish the theater, literature, and scholarship flourished in the 1920s and 30s. An acclaimed drama, 
troop was found in, founded in Sibili, and Jewish and Jewish Ethnographical Museum was opened, and volumes of Jewish history in Georgia were, were collected. Under Stalin, the theater and museum were shut down, and scholarship on the Jews was discouraged until the Glasnost period in the 1980s. The Georgian Jews lived mostly in the eastern part of Georgia, in, in Sibili and other surrounding towns and small country villages. Other sources reveal the name of some of the, those of other sources reveal the name of some of those other towns. Kusatsi, Kulashi, Gori, Ashishihe, Oni, Sukami, Poti, Batumi, Ashkite, Adigeni. Today, uh, the Georgia Jews facing a rising tides of anti-Semitism. In the past, Jews and native Georgians lived together in harmony, and the Jews never faced persecutions and massacres that decimated Jews in other lands. In addition, Georgia has become embroiled in civil war as the regions of Abkhazia and South Ossetia tried to win independence from Georgia. Georgia Jews are regime are a very unique Jewish community. They are one of the oldest ethnic groups in the world and they have a very different culture than Ashkenazi Jews who mainly live in Sibili and settled much more recently in Georgia. Today, traditionally, they they have a very good relationship with Christian Georgians and anti-Semitism was very rare. Nowadays, the, mayor, the majority of Gurjims live in, live in the U.S. and Israel. The total population of, of the Georgian Jews is around 200,000 to 250,000. As with, most, uh, as with most other Jewish ethnic groups, most Georgian, most Georgian Jews live in Israel with a population of about 200,000. USA with around 10,000, 10, Georgia with around 3,000, but I have other sources that say 1,600, uh, but the 1,600 Jews is uh, Jews in general and not Georgian Jews. Russia with 1,800, Belgium with 1,200, Austria with 800, and Azerbaijan with 500, as well as other con countries that have knowledgeable populations of Georgian Jews. As a result of major immigration wave in the 1990s, the vast majority of Georgian Jews now live in Israel, with the world's largest community living in the city of Ashdod. I will now be talking about the uniqueness of Gruzim. This section will be short, as, as, it is, uh, as it is my personal take on the Georgian Jews. Gruzim are unique because they have been living in Georgia for around 2,600 years, and the Ashkenazi Jews, who are mostly from Russia, the other major Jewish ethnic group population of Jews in Georgia, only started living in Georgia in the early 1800s, when Georgia became part of the Russian Empire. Also, since Georgian Jews were not under Russian rule for a while, they are not influenced by Russian rule, and therefore maintain more knowledge of Judaism than Ashkenazi Georgian Jews, as well, ha as, well as have, having their own customs different from Georgians and and lived outside of the capital of Sibili. Georgian Jews are also not considered Ashkenazi, Sephardi, or Mizrahi, which are the three major Jewish ethnic groups, and fall into their own ethnic Jewish category, where they are of Georgian Jewish heritage and follow their unique Georgian Jewish traditions. Finally, Georgian Jews have their own unique cuisine as opposed to the general Jewish populace. Do you have any other reasons why Georgian Jews are considered a distinct Jewish ethnic group? Uh, at the group, you can let me know by emailing me at worldwidejew at gmail.com or DMing me on Instagram at worldwide underscore Jew. Up next will be me talking about the languages that the Georgian Jews used to speak and still speak today. Georgian Jews use various languages such as Hebrew, Georgian, English, Russian, Dutch, and because they live in Belgium, French, and because they live in Austria, German, and because they live in Azerbaijan, Azeri, and Turkish, as well as, other, as, all, as well as all the other minority languages of Azerbaijan, as well as numerous languages that I have not mentioned. Main distinguishing, the, main dis, 
The main distinguishing diaspora language of the Georgian Jews is called Judeo-Georgian. The traditional language of the Georgian Jews is Judeo-Georgian, a variant of the jo of Georgian characterized by a large number of Hebrew loanwords and written using either the Georgian alphabet or Hebrew alphabet. Besides using Judeo-Georgian, besides speaking Judeo-Georgian, the Georgian Jews speak the language uh, languages of the people surrounding them. In Georgia, these include Georgian and Russian, in Belgium, Dutch of Dutch and also French, and the United States, in Canada, English, and in he Israel, Hebrew. Judeo-Georgian, also known as Kivruli and Gruzinic, is a traditional Georgian dialect speak spoken by the Georgian Jews, the ancient Jewish community of the Caucasus nation of Georgia. Judeo-Georgian is the only Kartavelian Jewish dialect. Its status as a distinct language from the Georgian language is, is the subject of some debate. The traditional language is known as Judeo-Georgian or Tivruli, and was formed from a combination of Georgian and Hebrew. It has been written in the past using both the Georgian and Hebrew alphabets, but they also being, became familiar with the, standard of the, uh, with the standard Georgian language and with other languages. The Jews of Georgia spoke Georgian, which, to which they added Hebrew words. Sometimes this is called Judeo-Georgian, although it's actually a dialect of Georgian. With the exception of a significant number of Hebrew-American Hebrew loanwords, the, the language is reportedly largely mutual and intelligible with Georgian. Judeo-Jordan is, is, like many Jewish languages spoken there, on the decline in Israel. Its status in Georgia itself is unchanged, except by the rapid decline in the size of the language community due to the emigration in the beginning of the 1970s, which has seen the departure of some 80% of the community. Authoritative studies of its continued use by other expatriate communities of Georgian Jews have not been conducted. Judeo-Georgian has approximately 85,000 speakers. This, this includes 20,000 speakers in Georgia uh, in 1995 and about 59,800 speakers in Israel in 2000. The language has approximately 4,000 speakers in New York and, and undetermined numbers in other communities in Russia, Belgium, the USA, and Canada. Now, I'll be talking about the history of Georgian Jews. Georgian Jews mostly married among themselves in a ceremony that harked back to biblical times, featuring a mystery play representing the union of heaven and earth and, and the formation of the earth and the growth of plants. Jewish wives were expected to honor ancient traditions and be modest and discreet, particularly towards their father and older brothers-in-laws. The, the primary work of male Georgian Jews has been agriculture, crafts, and trade. Work was or often organized through an extended family or, or of, of community presided over by a senior patriarch who divided out work. One were responsible for raising children and doing domestic work. The chores, the chore, their chores was directed by senior women. Women did, generally did not participate in agricultural activities because it was considered beneath them. The history of Georgia Jews is at least as old as the history of Georgia itself. The presence in the area echoes several biblical stories. According to the first, Georgia, the Georgian Jews would be uh, ancestors of the ten lost tribes of Israel, exiled from Jerusalem and to other areas of Assyria by King Salamanzar around the 8th century BCE. According to the second version, they are descendants of the inhabitants of the kingdom of Judah, exiled by Nebuchadnezzar II after the capture of Jerusalem in 597 BCE. This version also explains why Georgian Jews are called the Gurim, which means lion cub, in, lion cub in Hebrew, the emblem of the tribe of Judas. The history of Jews in Georgia can be traced back to around the 6th century BCE, when Jews were fleeing the conquest of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, arrived in western Georgia. When in, which in the 6th century was under Byzantine rule. In Georgian historical sources, there are also data on Jewish migra migrations to Georgia during this period from Armenia and Iran. Finally, the region of the Caucasus, and in particular 
the territory of present-day Georgia would also have welcomed Jewish populations exiled from Jerusalem after the, the, the second destruction of the temple by Romans in, in 70 uh, AD. Parallel to the biblical stories, the presence of the Jews in the, uh, in the territory of present-day Georgia is mentioned in the first history of Armenia, written by uh, Moise of Koran and around the 5th century of Noah era. According to the historian, several kings of Georgia and Armenia, including those from the Bagraka family, were of Jewish origin, with descent from King David. For their part, the Georgian Chronicles, written between the 9th and 14th century, relate that the prince of people of Georgia would already bring the people of Israel when Moses crossed the Red Sea. Georgian annals provide some information about the arrival of Jews in Georgia and about some of the major events in their history. The first mention of Jews in Georgia is associated with the era of, Assy of the Assyrian conquerors, 8th century BCE. Other documents date the arrival of Jews in Kartli, eastern Georgia, to the time of the capture of Jerusalem by the Babylonian king uh, Nebuchadnezzar in 586 BCE. According to the annals, Meshachli Mamashili, head of feudal household, head of a feudal household, household settled Jews at Zanavi, near Meshach, and gave them land on the condition that they pay tribute. As a, as a result, the local tel the, that locality acquired the name Kirki. The same source indicates that after the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans in AD 70, a large group of Jews came to Kartli and settled in Meshach, near Jews who already settled there. There were, there were thus several important Jewish migrations to Kartli, uh, separated by varying intervals. Several historical sources place the first settlement of Jews not at Karli Meshech, but on the Black Sea coast of Georgia, at the mouth of the Churuk River, at Goria, and at Laziki, Kolhida, from the 9th to 8th er, to, to century BCE. Georgian-speaking Jewry is one of the oldest surviving diaspora Jewish communities. The origin of Georgian Jews, also known as Gurjim or Arabeli, is debated. But some claim they are descendants of the ten tribes uh, uh, exiled by Shalmaneser. Others say that the first Jews made their way to southern Georgia after Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem in 586 BC, after fleeing first to Babylonia. Babylonia. Georgian Jews, according to oral tradition, have been in Georgia for 2,500 years and claim to be the descendants of the branches of Israelites who were settled in Medea by Syrian kings. Over the years, they have become widely assimilated but have kept, their, but have kept alive their ancient traditions. Jews lived in Georgia for the most part without persecution. Unlike former Soviet republics, Georgia never experienced an anti-Jewish pogrom. Still, many have immigrated to Israel in recent years. As early as of the 1990s, about 25,000 Jews lived in Georgia. The, f the first Jews in western Georgia arrived in the 6th century when the region was ruled by the Byzantine Empire. Approximately 3,000 of the Jews fled to eastern Georgia, controlled by the Persians, to escape severe persecution by the Byzantines. The existence of the Jews in these in these regions during this period is supported by archaeological evidence showing that the Jews lived in Meshecha, the ancient capital of the, east of the eastern Georgian state of Kartli. There are mentions of, of Jews in Georgia in association with the age of Assyrian conquest in the 8th century BCE, and the time of the capture of Jerusalem by the Babylonian king Navrachutzernazrosam in 586 BCE. According to the ancient historical records, a Georgian feudal lord named Meshechi Mamaschlihi gave Jews land at Zanavi near Meshecha and Kartli, in return for a tribute. According to, the same, according to the same source, after the Romans destroyed the temple in Jerusalem AD 70, a large migration of Jews arrived in Kartli and settled Meshecha. Over the centuries, Jews have arrived in several waves of migrations and arrived in Georgia. It is not clear how many there were, but according to one source, they were so numerous that many Georgian Jews spe Georgians spoke Jewish. 
Traditionally, the Jews lived together in a village or quarter centered around a school or synagogue. Meshachah was the center of Georgian Jewish life. Meshachah Jews kept close contact with Jerusalem and were said to have brought back the Shroud of St. Eli and the tunic of Jesus Christ from, from Jerusalem are buried in Meshachah. They barely spoke Georgian, and Jewish traders developed a dialect called Kivruli, or Judeo-Georgian, which included a number of Hebrew, of Hebrew words. Developing over the centuries their own dialect, Kivruli, Georgian Jews mainly engaged in agricultural activities, which explains the particular presence of settlements throughout the territory, not only in large urban centers. Records show that Georgian Jews put a request to the government of Meshbecha, the ancient capital of Georgia, for residency, promising that if granted, they would develop and provide monetary contributions to the country. The governor of Meshecha granted them residency and allocated parts on the shore of Gravi River, called Zanabi. Aside from uh, Georgian historical aside from the Georgian historical sources, there's information about Georgian Jews in works by Armenian historians, Fasto Buzand, Movsez Korensky and Arkel Tarvitsky, and by Jewish travelers of the 8th to 12th centuries, Benjamin Tuladetsky, Fethiya Remborutsky, and Yehuda Al-Kharis. Jewish settlements were established across Georgia over the centuries, in eastern Georgia in Tinshavali, Surinami, Ali, Morozvreti, Alekhaba, Atenti, Atenti, Tiskani, Urbiznisi, Samakbalo, Gremi, Enensi, Kove, and elsewhere. In western Georgia, Oni, Sahiri, Chikori, Chalkitaki, Kukitasi, Sanaki, and elsewhere. A significant number of Jews lived in southern Georgia as well, at Samhise, Satabago. Uh, my pronunciations are probably horrible, so yeah, don't blame me for them. The size of the Jewish population is not given in the sources. Although, according to Kartli's Tereva, their numbers were so large that their language is so widely distributed that the Georgians spoke Jewish, probably some form of Aramaic, as well as Georgian. The same source says that Aramaic was one of the six conversational languages formerly spoken in Kartli. Historically, Jews in Georgia lived together in one village or quarter, where houses of worship and places of social and cultural significance were located. Schools of Jewish scribes, translators, and theologians were widely known, and the Meshachis rigid religious community com commanded particular respect. Meshachah was, with the sanctuary's beginning, the center of Jordan, jo Georgian Judaism. It was here that, according to legend, the Shroud, the shroud of St. Eli and the tunic of Jesus Christ were buried, having been brought from Jerusalem by the Meshachic Jews. Georgian Jews always maintained strong ties to Jerusalem. They corresponded and actively, actively took part in religious debates. The Jewish diaspora was distinguished by its own culture and communal organization. The Georgian historical tradition connects the rise of the first Christian community in Iberia, Kartli, in the first French century with Jews residing in the vicinity of Mishkecha. The first members of the Christian community had been Jews, and the first Christian church was formerly Jew a Jewish sanctuary upon which, with the permission of the Jewish clergyman Abiatar, St. Nino erected a cross. According to tradition, the first Christians in Georgia were formerly Jews, and the first church was formerly a former Jewish sanctuary. Most Jews lost lost their language and spoke Hebrew only for religious purposes. They kept Jewish they kept their Jewish rit religious rituals alive and referred to as Georgian Jews since ancient times. They became so woven into the fabric of Georgian life. The kings of Georgia sought their advice, and they were entrusted as envoys on diplomatic missions. In the second half of the 7th century, the Muslim Empire conquered extensive Georgian territory, which became an Arab Caliph province. Arab emirs ruled the majority of the region until 1122. Under the Arabs in the late 9th century, Abu Imran Musa al-Zafarani, later known as Abu Imran al-Safili, founded a Jewish sect called the Safili sect, which lasted for more than 300 years. 
the sect deviated from halakha and its marriage and kashru custom. There's not much documentation about Georgian Jews under Arab domination. In the, in the late 9th century, Abu Imran Musa al-Zafrani, later known as Abu Imran al-Sifili, founded the Jews' Karai sect called the Sifili sect. Uh, Sifili sect. Sifisilites, which lasted for more than 300 years. The sect is deviated from rabbinic halakha and its marriage and kashru customs. This sect did not re represent the great majority of Georgian Jews who, who adhered to traditional rabbinic Judaism while maintaining strong religious ties with Baghdad and other Jews of Iraq. Then Iraq. The nature of Georgian Jews' observance, observance to rabbinic law was also noted by Benjamin of Tudela and Abraham ben David, also known as the Rabad or Ravad. In feudal Georgia, Jews enjoyed almost the same rights and status as non-Jews. Jews Jewish serfs more or less lived under the same conditions as non-Jewish serfs. Rich Jews traded and owned estates, and serfs themselves and, and Jews took up arms to protect their homeland. The situation of Jews worsened under Tsarist Russia. Many of their rights were taken away, and they were only allowed to do certain kinds of work. Under the Soviets, the situation improved, and then mirrored that of other Soviet Jews. The Mongols swept through Georgia in 1236, prompting many of the Jews of eastern and southern Georgia to move to the western region, which remained independent. There, there they formed small, poverty-stricken communities along the Black Sea, and eventually their destitution forced them into serfdom. For 500 years, beginning in the end of the 14th century, the Jews of Georgia belonged to the Kamani, or serf class, under the Georgian elite. When the Mongols arrived in the region in 1236, a large number of Jews in eastern and southern Georgia moved to the western independent region of the territory. Here, they formed several small, generally poverty-stricken Jewish communities along the Black Sea. Their destitution saw them absorbed into the widespread feudal system that enveloped Georgia throughout the Middle Ages. Jews were considered a part, part of the Kamani, serve class, and there was little, if any, Jewish communal life. Conditions for, the, for Georgian Jews worsened throughout the, Throughout the successive centuries, as various wars and invasions devastated the, the territory, Georgia was fragmented into three separate kingdoms and a five and a five of feudal territories. And Jews living in these precarious circumstances were subjected to further disarray in the rule of serfs. As a result, it was nearly impossible to maintain any semblance of Jewish life in the region. Jewish communities were largely non-existent, either heavily fragmented or constantly torn apart, and there was a decline in Jewish knowledge and self-identification among Georgian Jews. N numerous historical evidences approve that the serf status of, of Georgian Jews have been preserved for almost 500 years. The situation worsened in the 15th and 16th centuries due to constant military conflicts and invasions by Timur, Turkey, and Persia. By the end of the 15th century, Georgian, Georgia has fragmented into three separate kingdoms and five feudal territories. Jew, Jewish serfs were sold from master to master as family or individuals as debt payment or gifts. The Jewish communities were torn apart and Jewish communal life was nearly impossible to maintain. Isolation and a lack of re religious and spiritual center, centers led to the decline of Jewish knowledge. During this period, large migration of Jews took place, either voluntary or forced. In the 15th and 16th century, a large number of Jews left for Crimea, and Jews in the region can still be traced to, Georgian, to their Georgian origins to this day. In the 17th and 18th century, tens of thousands of Jewish and non-Jewish Georgians were forcibly relocated to Persia by their Islamic Persian invaders. An endless string of wars and rebellions characterized the late 18th and early 19th centuries, leaving the region decimated. 
Jewish property was often confiscated and Jews were forced to seek protection of the local of the local feudal lords. Instead of finding security, many Jews became enslaved by these lords. Jewish serfs were divided into three categories according to Georgian law, the king serf, feudal serfs, and the church's serfs. An endless string of wars and rebellions characterized the late early 18th and 19th centuries as a result of Russian interference in the region, leaving the region decimated. Jewish property was often confiscated and Jews were forced to seek the protection of the, the, the local feudal lords. Instead of finding security, many Jews became enslaved by these lords. The serfs, including Jewish ones, were divided into three separate categories according to Georgian law. The king serfs, feudal serfs, and church serfs. From the Middle Ages through the, first half, further, through the first half of the 19th century, a feudal system existed in Georgia. In this system, Jews belonged to the serfs class having per persons having a master. In the 18th and 19th centuries, Georgia was the scene of many wars. The, Jew the Jews were deprived from their property, whereas initially they sought and received protection from feudal lords, to which they turned to escape immediate danger. The Jews were oppressed by them in a, in a later state. Being serfs, they were not forced to convert to Christianity. Further turmoil in the region in the 18th and 19th centuries saw the region decimated. Countless wars and rebellions often saw Jewish property confiscated by authorities or, or victorious armies, and many Jews were forced to, to, uh, to further indebt themselves to, the, to, the, to, the, to local feudal lords. According to the census of 1800 in Georgia, were 3,300 Jews. In 1832, 4,000, in 1865, 7,800,1986,11,700,1986,11,700,1985,7,800,1986,11,800,1986,11,800,1986,11,800,1986,11,800,1986,11,800,1986,11,800,1986,11,800,1986,11,800,1986,11,800,1986,11,800,1986,11,
rather than local rulers. The history of Judaism in Georgia is an important turning point in the early 19th century, when under the, the terms of the Golestan Treaty, signed in 1813 between St. Petersburg and Tehran, Georgia was integrated into the Russian Empire. Along with the Mizrahi Jews, indigenous, a number of Ashkenazi from other parts of the Russian Empire will gradually settle, settle into Georgia. This region of the Russian Empire has about 20,000 Jews in the 1860s. In 1863 to 1871, the Russian authorities abolished serfdom and Jewish former serfs moved to towns and villages where free Jews were already settled. Finally, the Jews of Georgia began to develop Jewish communities. Each group moved together to the same towns and established their own respective synagogues. They are usually made up of a number of extended family groups spanning three or four generations. Each community had a gabai who served as a rabbi, shochet, mohel, and cheder, and, saw, and oversaw religious and communal affairs. These small communities were developed into the Jewish quarter of these, their particular towns. Eventually, Russian authorities abolished serfdom in Georgia. Um, from 1864 to 1871, and former Jewish serfs moved to towns and villages where, where free Jews already lived there and were mainly engaged in trade. The transition from serfdom to free condition and the process of urbanization of, jo urbanization of Georgian Jews contributed to the final formation of the structure of Jewish communities with synagogues and other religious and ed educational institutions. Beginning in 1863, groups of Jews began making Aliyah for mostly religious reasons. By 1916, 439 Jew Georgian Jews lived in Palestine, mostly in Jerusalem near the Damascus Gate. Very few Chachams immigrated to Israel due to their staunch anti-Zionist stance, and most Jews who made Aliyah were probably stricken and worked as freight handlers in Jerusalem. The tradition of the relationship between Jews and other Georgians had, has no sign of anti-Semitism, excluding the Tsar's government. For many centuries, the, the church in Georgia did not excite against the Jews, and the Georgian Jews were visibly assimilated into the country's rural life and culture. In the second half of the 19th century, there were some outbreaks of anti-Semitic acts, perhaps stemming from the influence of the Russian Orthodox Church. Anti-Semitism was supplemented by the end of serfdom and the urbanization of the Jewish population. As Jews became traders instead of field hands, Georgian workers began to see them as competitors and economic threats. Anti-Semitism been, had been active in Russia for centuries and under the annexation began to influence non-Jews in Georgia. Six blood levels have been recorded as having taken place in Georgia. The first blood libel was in Surami in 1850. A little boy from Gori disappeared while on a visit with his parents. The child was found dead after four days and the, and the Jews were blamed for his death. The Gubernier doctor examined the dead child and concluded that he was drowned. The people blamed the Jews and started riots against the Jews. Only the intervention of the head of the vice royalty avoided more problems. The worst and most infamous case was the village of Sahira in 1878, when nine Jews were accused of partaking in the ritual killing of a Christian child to use to make blood to ma for matzah. Of, of, uh, to use. <clears throat> the worst and most infamous case was in the village of Sahira in 1878, when nine Jews were accused of partaking in the ritual killing of a Christian child to use the blood to make matzah for Passover. The highly publicized trial occurred in Kultasi and was called the Kultasi Trial. The accused were found not guilty, but the blood libels, but the blood, li but the blood libels continued. Anti-Semitism was a serious problem in Georgia, especially in the second half of the 19th century. Induced by Tsarist officials and the Russian Orthodox Church, anti-Semitism was supplemented by the end of serfdom and the urbanization of the Jewish population in Georgia. Now, traders instead of field hands, Jews became Jews became a direct threat to Georgian workers. Anti-Semitism had been an an issue in Russia for centuries and under the annexation had begun to influence non-Jews in Georgia, who, furious at being occupied, occupied by Tsarist Russia, took out their anger and xenophobia 
on the only other on the only other outside only other outsider, the Jews. Six blood libels took place in Georgia in 1852, 1878, 1881, 1882, 1883, and 1884. The worst and most infamous case was in the village of Sahir in 1878, when nine Jews were accused of partaking in the ritual killing of a Christian child to use the blood to make matzah for Passover. The highly publicized trial occurred in Kutasi. Uh, and was called the Kutasi trial. The accused were found not guilty, but the blood libels continued. While the government had previously been relatively accepting of the Jews, after the revolution of 1905, the Russians took a harder stance. Georgian Jews separated themselves from Russian Jews, em emphasizing the lo loyalty to the monarchy and the roots of, in the region. In 1913, the deputy government of Kutasi extorted money from the city's Jews, and those who did not com comply were murdered. Which is very sad. After the October 1917 Russian Revolution threw out the Tsar's government and replaced it with the Bolsheviks, Georgia clamored for independence from their occupiers. On May 26, 1918, the Georgian Republic declared its independence. With independence came freedom of speech, press, and organization, which improved the economic situation of the Jews in Georgia. Zionism was the only uniting cause for the, for the two groups, and Ashkenazim joined Zionist organizations and began to spread their ideas to the Georgian Jewish communities. In 1897, the first Zionist organization was established in Sibili. On August 20, August 20, 1901, the first Congress of Caucasus Zionists were held in Sibili. Rabbi David Bazov led Georgian Zionism during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. In 1903, Bazov attended the Sixth Zionist Cong Congress in Basel, I think it's in Switzerland. In 1918, all Jewish, con all Jewish Congress in Tbilisi took place and included representatives from every Ge Georgian and Russian Jewish community in the country, except for Kutasi, which had become the center of anti-Zionist activity. Orthodox leaders, the Chachams, also fought against the spread of Zionism in the Ge Georgian Jewish communities. The rival, the rival Ashkenazi Jews from Russia, forced by the Russian authorities, was met with some resistance by Georgian Jews, who viewed them unfavorably. Though connections were made between the different groups, relations were tense. Zionism, however, became a common ground for the Russian and Georgian Jews, and Georgia provided, proved to be an early center of Zionism, with a Zionist organization formed there as early, as early as 19, 1897. The first Congress of the Caucasus Jews took place in Sibili in 1901. Georgian Jews began settling in the land of Israel in 1863. By 1916, Georgian Jews, 439 Georgian Jews lived in what was then Palestine. Some of this emigration can be attributed to the rise of anti-Semitism in Georgia, which under Russian rule became a serious problem for the Georgian Jewish community. Russian authorities and the Russian Orthodox Church openly, openly espoused the anti-Semitic sentiments and materials to the Georgian population, often inciting violence against Georgian Jews. The end of feudalism and, and, and the movement of many Georgian Jews to cities caused resentment on the part of the local population who viewed Jews as competition on, in the job market. Anger and resentment at the Russian occupation and lack of jobs saw many Georgians turn, to the, turn their fury to Georgian, the Jewish outsiders in their country. A series of blood libels took place in the second half of the 19th century, and the situation remained tense for Georgian Jews through, through the end of the century. After the revolution of 1905, many Georgian Jews attempted to separate themselves from Russian Jews and reiterate the, reiterate the lo loyalty to the Tsar. It was only after Georgia declared its independence in 1918, following the Russian Revolution and the establishment of the Bolshevik regime, that the living and economic situation of Georgian Jews improved. However, the Soviet Union invaded Georgia in 1921, and a large number of Jews fled the region from Palestine. After conquering the region, Soviet authorities allowed Georgian Jews to continue practicing Jewish religious and cultural life but soon prohibited all Zionist activities and heavily impeded and discriminated against Georgian Jews falling against Georgian Jews falling in Georgian rebellion in 1924. 
During World War I, thousands of Georgian Jews served in the Soviet army. After the war, the authorities arrested Jews and closed, and closed or destroyed synagogues, and anti-Semitic acts of violence erupted. But despite their attempts, the Soviets could not completely annihilate the practice of Judaism, and even in the late 1960s and 70s, most, Jews, most Georgian Jews managed to absorb, observe their traditions. Alienation between the Ashkenazi and Georgian rabbis took place at the beginning of the 20th century. After suppression of the revolution of 1905, the Russian authorities took a hard line with the Jews living in the Russian Empire. The Georgian Jews turned away from the Russian Jews and emphasized their loyalty to the monarchy. Rabbi David Bazov was one of the leading Zionists during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. He participated in the Zionist Congress in Basel, in 19, Basel Switzerland, I think Basel is in Switzerland, in 1917. In 1918, the All-Jewish Congress, in which all Georgian Jewish and Ashkenazi communities were, of Georgia were presented, was held in Sibili. After the 1917 Russian Revolution threw out the Tsar's government and replaced it with the Bolsheviks, Georgians clamored for independence from their occupiers. On the 26th of May 1918, the Georgian Republic declared its independence. With the independence came freedom of speech, press, organization, which improved the economic situation of the Jews of Georgia. This newfound freedom did not last long. The Red Army invaded Georgia in February 1921, prompting a mass exodus from the region. Approximately 1,500 to 2,000 Jews left Georgia, 1,000 to 1,200 of them whom settled in Israel. The remainder fled to mainly Istanbul, where Georgian Jewish community had been in existence since the 1880s. On May 26, 18, 1918, the Georgian Republic declared its independence. The Jewish communities of Georgia underwent a radical change. The newly acquired freedom of speech, freedom of press, and freedom to organize led to a renewed involvement of the Jews in public events. It also sharpened the ties between the Zionists and their opponents. One of the Zionist successes was founding of a Hebrew school with a Zionist orientation in Sibylia in 1917. The conquest of Georgia by the Red Army in 1921 delivered a heavy blow to the hopes of both Zionists and their opponents. Initially, the new regime adhered to a policy with respect for local religious beliefs. Zionist activities were not impeded either. After an anti-Russian and anti-Soviet rebellion in Georgia was suppressed, the situation worsened for the wor the situation changed for the worse from 1924. Due to the hostile treatment of the Jews in Georgia, as a as a result of the deteriorating economic situation, the Zionist leadership started started to direct its efforts at Aliyah, immigration to Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. The Soviet authorities opposed these efforts. This, today, a distinction is made between the synagogues of Georgian rights and those of Ashkenazi rights. It is the rights of the Zionist movement in Russia that would allow, at the end of the 19th century, to become the development of contacts hitherto limited between the two communities. Georgia became a part of the nascent Soviet Union in 1921, and like the rest of the USSR, Jewish citizens enjoyed a certain freedom of worship there until the turn of the 1930s, from which a major repression in the, in the religious sphere was started. It should be noted that for a variety of reasons, this repression was less noticeable in Georgia, where Jews were able to maintain a number of religious activities. On the whole, on the whole less assimilated than most other Jews of the Soviet Union, the Georgia Jews benefited in priority of author authorizations to emigrate to Israel. Their aliyah begins in the early 1970s, after a group of Georgian Jews sent, in 1969, a request for assistance to the United Nations, which, had then, which, ha which then had international repercussions. Initially, the Soviets allowed the Jews to maintain their religious customs, but after a Georgian rebellion in 1924, the Bolshevik, the Bolshevik government terminated all Zionist activity, imposed economic restrictions, and generally discriminated the Jewish community. As a result, many Jewish businesses were bankrupted and 200 families applied for exit visas. Only 18 were allowed to emigrate. In the mid-1920s, so the Soviets focused on industrializing and secularizing 
the Jews of Georgia. Mass numbers of Jews were forced to work in factories or to join craft cooperatives and collective farm projects. In 1927 to 1928, OSET, the Organization for Selling Jewish Workers on Farms, established a number of Jewish collective farms. These the, the small homogenous communities became isolated Jewish communities where, Jews, where, Jew, where Jewish learning was continued. Recognizing this, the communists disbanded the communities in 1930, scattering the Jews among various farms and destroying Jewish communal life. Meanwhile, blood libels continued in full force, with the currencies in Sakir in 1921, Sibili in 1923, and Atahitsihe, he in 1926. Georgian Jews faced heavy economic restrictions under Soviet rule, and many Jewish businesses were shut down during this period. Many Jews wanted to leave the region, but Soviet authorities blocked most Jewish emigration. Blood libels continued at an increasing rate, and Jewish life was devastated under Soviet actions. This continued in the 1930s, as the already desperate economic and political situation of Georgian Jews was exacerbated by further suppression. Soviet authorities and arrested and murdered a large number of Jewish activists and Zionist leaders, and completely shut down Jewish religious life in the country. During the 1930s, the economic and political situation worsened even more. Political and Zionist activity were suppressed by the Soviet authorities. Many activists were arrested or murdered. During World War II, thousands of Georgian Jews served in the Red Army, but the post-war years saw no easing of persecution. Jews were arrested, synagogues were closed or destroyed. Uh, uh, Jews were arrested, synagogues were closed or destroyed synagogues, and there was violent there was there were violent anti anti-Semitic incidents throughout Georgia and there and there still were blood libels in two South Tubo in nineteen sixty three, Zestafoni in nineteen sixty four, Kutasi in nineteen sixty five. During World War II, thousands of Georgian Jews fought the Nazis as soldiers in the Soviet army, and many of them lost their lives. In the years after the war, the persecution of the Jews in Georgia by the Soviet authorities continued in full force. Many Jews were arrested, synagogues were closed and destroyed, and several outbreaks of hostility took place. The only Jewish cultural institution that continued to exist was the History and Anthropographic Museum, opened in Sibili in 1933. About 60 pictures by Shalom Kashobili, representing daily uh, Jewish-Georgian life and the history of the Jews in History of the Jews of Georgia were exhibited. The museum was closed, however, in 1951, several years after its dictator, Aron Kireli, was arrested in 1948. Parts of the exposed objects was transferred to the Historical and Ethnographic Museum of Georgia at 3 to 5 Rusta Valley Street and to other museums collections, museums collections and some pictures by Kosovili disappeared. Throughout Soviet rule, Jews remained society's scapegoat. They made up the majority of Georgians convicted for economic crimes and were punished more severely than the rest of the population. Blood libels continued with incidents in Tuskabo in 1963, Zestafoni in 1964, and Kusatasi in 1965. After the Six-Day War, a huge number of Georgian Jews applied for exit visas to immigrate to Israel. In August 1969, 17 families wrote to the Human Rights Com right Commission of the, of the United Nations demanding permission to make Aliyah. This was the first public instance by Soviet Jews for immigration to Israel. As a result, the Israeli government and Jewish world campaigned heavily on behalf of the plight of the Georgian Jews. In July 1971, a group of Georgian Jews went on a hunger strike outside of a Moscow post office. The determination of the Jews of Georgia led the Soviets to lessen their harsh anti-Jewish policies. The Georgian Jews' identification with the state of Israel reached its peak after the 1967 Six-Day War. Initially, the Soviet authorities turned down requests of Jews to immigrate to Israel. In August 1969, 17 Jewish families from Georgia sent a letter to the Human Rights Commission of the United Nations demanding for emigration to Israel. The letter, the letter was the first public demand by Soviet Jews for emigration to Israel. It caused an intensive campaign on the part of the government of Israel and the Jewish world to allow emigration of Soviet Jews to Israel. 
The second letter was sent in November 1969 to Youth End, Secretary General of the United Nations, through Golda Meir, the then Prime Minister of Israel. In July 1971, a group of Georgian Jews held a hunger strike in front of the Central Post Office in Moscow. The struggle of the Georgian Jews led to a historical change in the attitude of the Soviet authorities. Georgian Jews remained closely connected with the State of Israel, and after the June 1967 Six-Day War, many members of the community were requested to immigrate to Israel. When these requests were denied, several Jewish families wrote to the Human Rights Commission of the United Nations demanding their, they, that they be allowed to emigrate. As a result, a flurry of activity by the Israeli, the Israeli government and the Jewish world saw Soviet authorities revise their policies toward Jews and lessen their severity. Almost 3,000 Georgian Jews made Aliyah in the 1970s as part of an overall exodus of Jews. Still, in 1979, nearly half of the 90 synagogues in the Soviet Union were situated in Georgia. During the 1970s, mass emigration took place. About 30,000 Jews left, left for Israel and, t and and some to other countries. Approximately 17% of the Soviet Jewish immigrants approximately 17% of the Soviet Jewish immigrants during that period. During the 1970s, about about, about 30,000 Georgian Jews made Aliyah and thousands of others left for other countries. Approximately 17% of the Soviet Jewish population immigration emigrated at this time. In 1979, the Jewish population of Georgia was 28,300 and by 1989 it had decreased to 24,800. This emigration is particularly the, the subject of a cult scene of the Soviet film Georgian Mimono, 19, created in 1977, where the main character seeks to call the Georgian city of Tel Aviv, but is put, following a mistake by the operator, in relation with Tel Aviv. By chance, a Georgian Jew answers him. It follows a long dialogue interspersed, interspersed with traditional Georgian songs between two, the two characters. This scene will remain for a long time in the only evo evocation on a comic note of the immigration of the Soviet Jews in Israel. After the fall of the Soviet Union, Georgian de Georgia declared her independence in 1991 and became the Commonwealth of, the, of Independent States, CIS, uh, CIS, Republic. Since independence, the country has faced continuous military conflict, leaving the region in political and economic turmoil. The situation of the community, Jew Jewish community of Georgia improved dramatically due to the end of the Soviet occupation. In 1994, President Shafar Nazi issued a decree to protect Jewish religious, cultural, and historic monuments. In addition, the Jews of Georgia have successfully maintained their Jewish identity and traditions, despite the oppression they faced under the Soviets. Intermarriage had always been low, and levels of Jewish knowledge are significantly higher than those of other CIS republics. In 1990, the Rachamim Society was established, which applies financial and medical support to the Jews of Sibylia and maintains Jewish cemeteries and synagogues. It functions as an umbrella organization for Ashkenazi Jews. The Association of Georgian Jews, Derech Yehudi, uh, focus, focuses on regaining Jewish property confiscated during the Soviet era. The Jewish community still affects, face acts of violence and obstacles in return of property rights to a 19th century Ashkenazi synagogue stolen by the Soviets. The chief rabbi of Georgia is Rabbi Ariel Levine. There's no, umbrella, there's no umbrella organization for all Jews in Georgia, but more, but more than 30 Jewish but more than 30 Jewish institutions are in existence, in addition to one Jewish day school and four supplementary schools. Three Jewish newspapers and published are published, Menorah Shalom and 26th Century, and there's also a Jewish radio and television station. The Jewish population of Georgia has steadily decreased over the years due to Aliyah in response to political and economic issues since independence. Overall, since 1989, 21,134 Jews have moved to Israel, once numbering as many as 100,000, today in the, Georgia's, the Georgian Jewish population is approximately uh, 3,000. Sibylia has the largest Jewish population 
Jewish, Jewish communities are located in Sibili, Kutasi, Watumi, Oni, Achidache, Akalaki, Surunami, Kareli, and Stalin's hometown of Gori. And synagogues are located in most of these cities. The provinces of Akazi and South Ossetia are virtually void of Jews due to the military conflicts of these areas. In January 2001, in a first step toward establishing relations, the Georgian Orthodox Church and the Jewish community of Georgia signed a cooperation agreement of mutual respect and support. In 2002, Georgian, Georgian Orthodox Christianity was established as a state religion, and since then, there has been a concern for all religious minorities in the country. As a result of the 2008 South Ossetia War, some 2,000 Georgian Jews immigrated to Israel with assistance from the Jewish agency. During that war, the Jewish quarter of Chin Valley was destroyed during the Battle of Chin Valley. Relations between the Georgia, between Georgia and Israel are warm. The Israel embassy is located in Tbilisi and, set, and serve, also serves Armenia. The Georgian embassy is in Tel Aviv. Israel supported, supplied humanitarian aid to Georgia a number of times, including the drought assistance and aid for earthquake victims. Georgian President Georgi Mashavelli visited Israel for the first time in October 2015, stating that it had long been a dream for a dream of his to come to Israel. Mashavelli and Israel, Israeli President. Reuven Riven discussed future cooperations in startups, agricultural, real estate, and tourism. The Jewish Agency for Israel, uh, JAIF, or JAFI, is an American Jewish Joint Distribution Committee, or JDC. Both have permanent representatives in Georgia. JDC and Chesed Eliyahu distribute food and, food and medical aid to the Jewish to the Jewish elderly, who make up more than 50% of the Georgian Jewish community. The number of Georgian citizens traveling to Israel applying for asylum has skyrocketed over the past few years. Only four Georgian, four Georgian Jews sought asylum in Israel during the entirety of 2013, compared to 5,505 between January and November 2016. Today, the Jewish community in Georgia, which numbers around 3,000 people, is concentrated in, in mainly Sibili, Kuk, Tasi, and Batumi on the shores of the Black Sea. Dynamic, this community also benefits from Georgia's successes with Israeli tourists, whose growing influx, about 60,000 per year, has contributed for several years to real revival of, of local Jewish life. So now, I'm going to be talking about Georgian Jewish food. Throughout the centuries, the community interacted with many other cultures, like the Ottoman Empire, Persia, Europe, Russia, and more, says Tamori. Uh, who, where I'm getting this information from. It was not an isolated country, but one that enriched itself throughout outside inf through outside influences. Spices that were transported from China and India to Europe were reflected in Georgian cuisine. Walnuts that grow bountifully in the country are and are used to thicken flavor and flick thicken and flavor many dishes. Together with Persian influence, demonstrated in the use of pomegranate molasses and fruit and stews and spices from fenugreek to coriander and oregano. All are used in the, in the Georgian spice mix called kameli suneli. In traditional hospital, hospitable Georgian style, we were, uh, the, um, where I'm getting this information from, the people who are writing about it, were, uh, were served a variety of seven appetizers. Flavored achatelli, stewed eggplant with nuts and herbs on top, askepadali, spring-stewed vegetables with nuts and herbs, eggplant rolled rolls filled with nuts and garnished with pomegranate seeds, chicken kanzameri, chicken bre breast strips with a ground nut sauce, pachigani, eggplant layered with, and filled with nuts and herbs, red beetroot, nuts and vegetables, and mazwabi, tomatoes, cucumbers, and cabbage, cabbage and carrots pickled in a Georgian marinade. Georgia marinade. These, sal these salads range from 16 uh, to 27 new Israeli shekels, or $4.03 to $6.81, and is sufficient for two to share. All unique and tasty. Many garnished with a combination of cilantro, chopped cilantro and parsley. There are an additional seven on the menu from which to choose uh, which the restaurant where 
the dispersant is talking about. Uh, so the first fruit food is Georgian style haroset, also called harazoti. Pears, walnuts, and chestnuts define this haroset, but also has hazelnuts, almonds, sugar, salt, apples, black raisins, wine, and orange juice. The great haroset debate, like the great multiple ones, have been around for ages, and so much of Jewish cooking, and all cooking for that matter, texture and consistency are all. And it's so with haroset that the, path over, the Passover paste that is Bolson's Volok and is standard for the mortar and pest mortar the Israeli slaves used to make bricks, and much, and much anticipated, coming as it does as people's stomachs are begin, beginning to grumble. Do you prefer the pared-down Ashkenazi chopped apple, walnuts, and wine variety, or do you go for the thicker, pastier Spartak variety with, say, dates and bananas and apricots and, and figs? This is a recipe from Georgia. No, not the real charge, not the Ray Charles Georgia, courtesy of chef and Kofu author Jennifer Abadi, by way of Arena Khaloti, leans definitively towards the latter. The walnuts, which are commonly found in Georgian cooking, are added in larger quantities than the rest of the nuts, which the addition of pears and peeled chestnuts give it a thick texture similar to pate, kachapuri, or Georgian cheese bowl. Kachapuri is a traditional dish of, of cheese-filled bread. The bread is leavened and allowed to rise and is shaped in various ways, usually with cheese in the middle, and a crust which is ripped off and used to dip in the cheese. The filling contains cheese, fresh or aged, most commonly, commonly sogoni, eggs, and other ingredients. On the, 21st of, on the 22nd of January 2019, with the order of the CEO of the National Agency for Call to Heritage of Georgia, Nicolas Ansey, the traditional the tradition of the authentic Georgian Kanchapuri patriots was given the status of intangible cultural heritage of Georgia. The initiators of this was LTT Gunda, led by Nana Dosite and Levan Korshavili. Currently, the same, the same people are working to make UNESCO proclaim the tradition of Kanchapuri as an intangible cultural heritage of, of humanity. And it's it is both very popular in Georgia, Georgia, both as in restaurants and as street food. As, as a Georgian staple food, the price of making kachapuri is used as a measure of inflation in different Georgian cities by the Kachapuri Index, developed by the International School of Economics at Tbilisi State University. It is Georgia's national dish that is inscribed on the list of intangible cultural heritage. On behalf of the Initiative of Gastronomic Association of Georgia, the 27th of February was announced as National Kachapuri Day to celebrate Georgia's timeless signature pastry as well as promote its recognition internationally. Kachapuri and Kinkali, a dumpling most often made with meat and spices, are two of Georgia's most recognizable dishes. And, and um, talking about the country, not the state, of, in the United States of America. And they're pure comfort food, even if you've never been, been exposed to Georgian food. Georgian cuisine re reflects influences from Turkey, Russia, Azerbaijan, Afghanistan, Armenia, and prominently features walnuts and several unique Georgian spices. This dish is a bread bowl with cheeses such as mozzarella, monaster, bernsnia cheese, and sometimes feta as well as eggs. Kajapuri is popular in the post-Soviet states, including Russia, where it is usually a simple puff pastry with cheese filling. The same pastry with meat filling is called samsa. It was reported that 175,000 kachapuris were consumed during the 2014 Winter Olympic Games in Sochi. Kachapuri is a popular street food in Armenia, where it is widely served in restaurants and school cafeterias. It is, increasingly, is becoming increasingly popular as a brunch food in Israel, where it is brought over by Georgian Jews. 
green bean spinach and beet spread. You know, and, you know, it sounds exactly what I said what I said it to be, which is green bean spinach and beet spread, collectively known as fali. All use all three use the same technique. The base veggies get steamed, pressed by hand, and rolled in with walnuts and secret spices until they form a chunky pate. Scoop them up with a hunk of puff shotis puri bread. Shotis pure, puri. Shotis puri, or simply shoti, is a type of traditional Georgian bread made of white flour and shaped like a canoe. Shoti is baked in a specific bakery called called ton or tone turne. Uh, the world is cognate with tandoor. This bread is served as any other bread, but it tends to be more popular in special celebrations such as Easter, Christmas, and New Year's Day, as well as birthdays and weddings. It gets its distinctive shape from a method of cooking as long strands of dough are stuck inside a traditional around well-shaped brick or clay oven. Chakapuli. Don't miss the chakapuli, a long simmered lamb stew flavored with tarragon cilantro and cilantro. Chakapuli is a Georgian stew. It is considered to be one of the most popular dishes in Georgia. It is made from lamb chops or veal, onions, tarragon leaves, cherry plums or tecamale, cherry plum sauce, dry white wine, mist fresh herbs, or, uh, parsley, mint, dill, coriander, garlic and salt. Chakapuli can also be made with beef or mushrooms instead of lamb. Chopped lamb is boiled with the white wine in a deep pan and then the pan is placed in the oven and cooked slowly for 1.5 hours. After this process, the lamb is stirred in the tecamale sauce and chopped green, onion, chopped green garlic and garlic are added. The dish is cooked on another 5 minutes in the oven and is rested for 5 minutes before serving. Tecamale Tecamale, a mouth-puckering sauce made from wild green plums. Tecamale is a Georgian sauce primarily made of cherry plum. Sometimes lucha or other varieties of plum. Both red and green varieties of plum are used. The flavor of the sauce varies, but generally but generally tends to be pungently tart. To lower the tartness level, occasionally, uh, occasionally sweetener sweeter types of plum are added during preparation. Traditionally, besides plum, the following ingredients are used. Garlic, penny royale, cumin, coriander, dill, chili pepper, and salt. Tecamale is used for, fr for fried or grilled meat. Poultry and potato dishes and has a place in Georgian cuisine, similar to the one ketchup has in the United States. It can be made at home, but is also mass-produced by several Georgian, Rus Georgian and Russian companies. Kignali, and all the only information I could find for Kinagi is that it's stuffed fish. That's it. That's like, I can't find anything else. Kinagi is stuffed fish. If you're a Georgian Jew, uh, you know, DM me on Instagram about it on, on Kinagi, spelled K-H-E-N... Uh, A-G-I. That's it's all I know. It's stuffed fish. Yeah. Uh, Kameli Sonelli. Kameli Sonelli is literally dried spices. It's traditionally George is a traditional Georgian spice mix. It typically contains ground coriander seeds, celery seed, dried basil, dill, parsley, fenugreek, summer savory, bay leaf, mint, and marigold. This mixture is an ingredient of traditional Georgian dishes and sauces, such as karacho, kanagi, or, or kanagi stew. Uh, kane, uh, Oh, okay. I, uh, it's kanagi stew, but like it's fish. I don't know. Like it's very confusing. Um, kanagi, no fish. The stuffed fish is kanagi, but the the matzo, the kanagi, the kanagi is Georgian matzo balls, which is really weird. So kanagi are Georgian matzo balls with matzo meal, ground walnuts, onions, and eggs, and cooked in the chicken broth. In chicken broth, cooking chicken gizzards in water. Um, uh, ground walnuts are added and beaten eggs, and some salt and pepper. Uh, all is mixed until the cooked until the water evaporates, which can take a couple of hours. 
The unique dish comes as something between a tort and a porridge. The aroma of a walnut after the long cooking is very is good is too good to resist. Gefilte fish with a Georgian twist. The gefilte fish, which means stuffed fish in Yiddish, is a different version from what Ashkenazi Jew, Jews are used to seeing and is closer to the original stuffed fish recipe with, with the Georgian twist. The stuffing includes ground walnuts, pomegranate syrup, tamarindi, and kameli sunelli spice mix. Georgian walnut sauce, or, or baza. Ar arguably, no group loves walnuts more than Georgians, who add them to almost any dish. dish. This order manifests itself in dozens of walnut sauces. The original concept adapted from Persian cuisine, which are served with almost everything. The most versatile of these sauces is baza. T typical of Georgia, this uncooked sauce is slightly tart as sweeteners and are, n are not used in cooking. The thickness of baza varies according to the nature of the dish. A thicker sauce for bakali, salads, and a thinner sauce for poultry and fish. The dish contains walnuts, it's in the name, garlic, sauce, ketam white wine vinegar or pomegranate juice, cilantro, coriander, cayenne, paprika, turmeric, dried mar marigold petals, fenugreek, jalapenos, and water. Berbicella, a, a Georgian Jewish pastry. Berbicella is a Georgian Jewish pastry that looks like it was, it was it's eaten on Hanukkah, in my knowledge. It is made with flour, baking soda, uh, eggs, cognac, water, oil, and powdered sugar. Here are directions on how it's made. Mix the flour, baking soda, eggs, cognac, and water until the mixture comes together in a ball. Knead. Cover the dough with plastic wrap and let rest for 30 minutes. Divide the dough into, divide the dough into four balls. Cover with plastic wrap and let rest for 10 minutes. Heat the, oil, heat the oil in a pot. Roll the first ball of dough into a rectangle. Cut into two strips and cut small slits along one side of each piece. Uh, wrap the dough around a fork and gently lower into the oil. Use two forks to shape the dough into a rose. When golden, remove from oil. Repeat with the remaining dough, thus with, conf thus with confectioner's sugar. Chubareki. Chubareki. The where I'm getting this from like a tourist website, some of the information, so it's going to be sound, sound a little bit weird in the uh, in the terms of my in the terms of my podcast. The next course was chubareki, a five pastry crescent with a very thin dough with with a spicy beef filling. This was well, this was served with tamale, a green plum sauce, delicious but not sweet. Um, my companion loved the spicy taste of beef inside, which 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 was in contrast to the appetizers, but I found it a little too sharp for my palate. Chubarekia, or chubarekia, is a deep-fried turnover with a filling of ground or minced meat and onion. It is made with a single round piece of dough folded over the filling in a crescent shape. Chubareki is a national dish of Crimean Tartar cuisine. They are popular as a snack and street food throughout the Caucasus, Central Asia, Russia, Ukraine, and Eastern Europe, as well as with the Crimean Tartar diaspora in Turkey and Romania. Chubarek is a, is a half-round shaped borek, filled with a very thin layer of ground beef or lamb, which, had, which has been seasoned with ground onion and black pepper. The meat is layered thin enough that it will fully cook when the when the sealed half moon pocket is fried in sunflower or corn oil. Sunflower or corn oil. The dough made from flour, salt, and water is soft and pliable, but not sticky. The dough is separated into small balls and is and is and each is rolled out with a thin rolling pin. Additional flour is added only as needed to prevent the dough from sticking. Salinikia. A generous meat and vegetable goulash. You cook up with a fork, which absolutely melted in your mouth. Shinsapuri, oval-shaped homemade bread. Uh, I don't, I don't know about much information about some of these foods because not that much information is online. Lamb stuffed neck. Um, the chef also presented us with a special, special specialty, not on the menu. Baby lamb neck filled with rice, pine nuts, raisins, and plums, with stewed eggplant, tomatoes, carrots, and sweet potatoes. Kinikali, 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 
is a Georgian dumpling, which originated in the Georgian mountain regions of Pashavi, Tushati, Mutaleli, and Kursureti. The fillings of Kankali vary with, with the area. The original recipe, the, so, the so-called Kursuruli, consisted of only minced meat, lamb or, or beef, and pork mixed, onions, chili pepper, salt, and cumin. However, the modern recipe used most especially in Georgian urban areas, the so-called Kalakuri uses herbs like parsley and cilantro, also called coriander. Mushrooms, potatoes, or cheese may be used in place of meat. Kanakali is eaten plain with ground, with plain or with ground black pepper. The meat, the meat filling is uncooked. When kanakali is assembled, someone is cooked. The juices of the meat are trapped inside the dumpling. To make the kanakali juicier, usually warm water broth is added to the minced meat. Kanakali is also typically consumed first by sucking the juices while taking the first bite, similar to Long Bao, in order to prevent the dumpling from bursting. The top, where the, where the plate's meat is tough and is not supposed to be eaten, but discarded to the plate so that those, eat, so that those eating can count how much they can consume. In Georgia, the top is called the kuti. There's a widespread etiquette in Georgia to, to use one's bare hands while consuming these dumplings. The using the usings of utensil like a fork is considered incorrect or childish. This is because the tastiest part of the kinkali is juice is its juice. Using a fork will rupture the kankali and the juice will be spilled. Georgian Slough Eggplant Rules This Georgian dish contains egg This Georgian dish contains eggplant, salt, oil, walnuts, cloves, chopped cilantro, mint, serrano pepper, pomegranate molasses, fenugreek, turmeric, and pomegranate seeds. And that's the main food that Georgian Jews eat. Next up I'll be talking about Georgian Jews in Georgia as well as in the diaspora. According to the estimates of Hebrew University demographer Sergio Della de Pergola, world's Jewish population in 2016, Georgia is home to between 2,600 to 6, and 6,000 Jews. One of the oldest Jewish communities in the diaspora, Georgian Jewry con constitutes a distinct ethnic group with unique traditions. Though Georgia, Jewish life in Georgia has improved in recent years, many Georgian Jewish Jews have emigrated to Israel. The Jewish community in Georgia is represented by the Jewish Community of Georgia (JCC), the Georgian, the George, and the Georgian affiliate of the World Jewish Congress. Uni Hebrew University dem demographer Serge Sergio Della Pergola estimated the Jewish Georgian population between 1,600 and 6,000 Jews as of 2002. The majority of Jews living in Georgia live in Sibili, the country's capital, but there are smaller Jewish communities in Kutasi, Batumi, Oni, Atsatice, Alakakali. Surami, Kareli, and Gori. There's no single Jewish umbrella organization in Georgia. Despite the small size of the Georgian Jewish community, there are numerous separate Jewish organizations across the country. In 1990, the Rachamim Society was established, supplying financial and medical support to Jews in Tbilisi and helping maintain and preserve Jewish cemeteries and synagogues. In present, the Jewish Agency for Israel, Jaffe, and the American Jewish Joint Distribution Committee, JDC, runs permanent operations in Georgia, with support of JDC in Georgia and our function organizations, Chesed El Yahu, which distributes food and provides medical aid to elderly Jews in Georgia and the and Jewish Community Center. Georgian Jews succeed in maintaining Jewish tradition better than most other for, former Soviet com Jewish communities, and the level of Jewish religious knowledge is considerably higher than in other former Soviet republics. There are synagogues in Sibili, Kutasi, Batumi, Gori, Oni, Suria, uh, Atatsike and several other communities, including those which, which only a knowledgeable number of Jews remain. In Sibili, there's a mikveh and a shochet. 
Currently, Rabbi of Ashkenazi Synagogue, Avi Melech Rosenblatt, serves as the chief rabbi of Georgia. Kosher food is available in Georgia. There are two restaurant, kosher restaurants in Sibili. In Sibili, there's a Jewish high school and a kindergarten under the patronage of Chabad, the Babich, a Jewish kindergarten, Tefer Tzvi, and a Jewish supplementary Jewish and a children's supplementary Jewish education program for preschool children at the JCC. The Lami, the, the Lami Georgia Educational Center, Tefer Tzvi Yeshiva, the Jewish community, the Jewish community center has a Jewish university and the Jewish library which are both under the JCC. JCC offers, offers a program of Jewish education, Hebrew studies and tradition, Bay Midrash, for adults. There are, function, there are functioning Jewish youth organizations at Olami, Georgia, YJC, Jewish, Youth Jewish Club at JCC, Vocal and Vocal Jewish Shear, JCC, Youth Center at Hillel. Currently, it's a Billy, a Jewish newspaper called Menorah Monthly, which is published monthly, a magazine called the Jewish World, which is published uh, four times throughout the year, quarterly. After the reestablishment of the State of Israel and the opening of borders of the USSR in the late 1980s, there was mass, ali mass aliyah, relocation from the diaspora back to Israel. Many families moved to Eastern Europe and the United States in search of work. Several hundred Jewish Georgian families now live in New York, New York, New York's tri-state tri area alone. But this mass access means that over the last 30 years, most Jewish settlements in Georgia have gradually been abandoned or have shrunk to ghostly fragments of their former selves. As of 2017, there are just now a few cities in Georgia with a Jewish population. In Kutat Haisi, Georgia's third largest city and once strong Jewish settlement, only 220 people of Jewish heritage remain. Perhaps one reason they've stayed in, they've stayed, uh, they stayed is that the Georgian Jews live in a state of relative harmony with their Christian neighbors. Everyone uh, uh, I spoke to uh, said they have never had an experience and any anti-Semitism here, said the British-born Zaidi, who's where I'm getting this information from, uh, like from a, a Vice article. But they are fighting against a changing world. Many pillars of the Jewish community, such as kosher bakeries and restaurants, have closed down or, or are now deserted. Most places still have at least one synagogue, although many are dilapidated and without a dedicated rabbi or much of a con congregation. Georgia is a country known for its disproportion disproportionately large and healthy elderly population, which includes the Jewish population. But the region's limited financial resources mean that many aging Georgian Jew Georgians also live in relative poverty. Nearly all the Jews living in Georgia, um, who the author of this article that I, who who the author where I'm getting this, uh, you know, article that I that I'm reading about, like the person who wrote the article. Um, that are met are deeply observant. They are determined to stay connected to the roots and traditions. It's all they. It's all they have left now, and it's it's all that it's all they have left now that their families have moved away. In 2018, Georgia recognized the history of the of Georgian Jewish relations as an intangible cultural heritage. Today, the Jewish population of Georgia is around 3,000, mostly living in the capital of Tbilisi, which has two active synagogues, a community center, and a museum. According to a Ynet article written in 2015. Sibili's Jewish community lives in, a, in rare coexistence with its Christian neighbors. St strictly distinguishes itself from other communities in, in former Soviet countries and is showing no desire to make Aliyah. In Sibili, there's no guard at the entrance of the great, to the great synagogue of the, of the Georgian capital. In sharp contrast to the common sites, in almost every Jewish synagogue in, in the diaspora, and especially in Europe, it doesn't even have metal, a metal detector at its entrance. The Shari Tefila Synagogue is located at, at the, in the heart of the city's Jewish quarter and is wide open. They won't talk easily in, in Georgia, like the, the Georgian Jews. Adults and silent men, members of the community, sit on benches left outside the synagogue between the afternoon and evening prayer. 
Life under Soviet rule has left its mark on them. Foreign men or women asking questions, even in Hebrew, are not necessarily welcome. In the end, they agreed to send me, referring to the, article, referring to the author of the article, to the rabbi and promised, in surprisingly fluent Hebrew, that he will answer all my questions. The rabbi, 36-year-old Rachami Morshavili, grew up, grew up in Georgia, but received his Torah education in Israel, in Jerusalem to be exact. Even during Soviet rule, Judaism continued to, to thrive in Georgia. Georgia has a matzah bakery, a ritual bath, and a Jewish slaughterer. There are great rabbis in Georgia. Sometimes they will receive questions from the land of Israel. Some of them, by the way, came from the land of Israel. Rabbi Morsavili described a small community, protective of its identity independence, which refers to distinguish itself from other Jewish communities in the former Soviet Union. The assimilation rate in the country, a phenomenon of the phenomenon of the past few years is meager. Despite Georgia being a devout Christian country, the Jewish members lived in rare coexistence with their neighbors. There has never been anti-Semitism here, the, the Georgian rabbi says. There is no anti-Semitism today either. One can walk around with a skull cap and a fringe garment. Jews and Georgians have, all, all, have always had good relations. The local, community, the local Jews also have two Jewish schools, which combine Torah, study, Torah studies with general studies. One belongs to the Jewish community and the other to Chabad. When I tried to uh, understand why such a small community needs two schools, the rabbi explains diplomatically each person and his own approach. The community's ethnic identity is one of the key points distinguishing it from other Jewish communities in Eastern Europe. We pray in the Sephardic style, Rabbi Moshevili says. They are not Sephardic. Well, they pray in the Sephardic style, but they are not like ethnically Sephardic. Not Chabad and not Ashkenazi style, he stresses. Adding that Ashkenazi rabbis who arrived, although there, there, there is Chabad in Georgia, Adding, adding that Ashkenazi rabbis who arrived in Georgia in the past, in the past following wars and expulsion, created a conflict with the local community. In Georgia, the Georgian rabbi says, the Jews, the Jews are deeply rooted. They want kosher slaughter. They want a mikvah. They, they want to maintain a Jewish identity. They always had, they, they always had, they always had all of that here, even in the darkest years of the Soviet era. Precisely because of that, they see organized Judaism of the Soviet Union as a sort of patronage. The Sephardim come from areas which wanted to disconnect from Russia, and the Ashkenazi ones are mostly connected to the great Russia, whether they like it or not. In other words, it's a ma matter of local politics as well. The Ashkenazim are not as rooted in terms of their of Jewish identity either. The absolute majority of the absolute majority completely disconnected from the roots under the Soviet rule, especially in the religious sense. So, so the Sephardim here see the Ashkenazi, Jew Ashkenazi Jewry as a heretical Jewry, which can be doubted. 20 years ago, so in 1995, because the article was written in, 19, uh, 19, in 2015, uh, if a Jewish man had married a non-Jewish woman, it would be considered a terrible thing. It would become talk of, talk of the day between the Jews, said, says Rabbi Morshevili. Today, the community is very small and many are leaving. Unfortunately, there is some assimilation, but it's still the minority. We tried to organize events for the young ones, parties, to give them a chance to meet each other. Design a cemetery camp for, for students is doing just that. The official goal was to strengthen the Jewish identity and the connection to the state of Israel. But the camp actually served as a hotspot meeting for meetings between young Jews singles from Eastern Europe. 23 couples have already been formed in these summer camps, and two of them had gone on to serve as instructors for more, instructors for more than 100 students who arrive every year from all over the former Soviet Union. But the only Georgian trademark can be found in the Kachapuri, served in the vibrant cafeteria of the camp, which is held in a resort village 60 kilometers from Tbilisi. But not a single student from the local community has signed up from the camp. So, so in the Zionist camp in Georgia, not one Jew from Georgia actually go has actually signed up for the Zionist camp, like the Israeli camp, like 
the Jewish camp. It's not that we haven't tried, said Alicia Henkin, CEO of the Zionist Cemetery. Seminary. We approached young locals and tried to arouse their interest. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Organized Jewish life in Sibili, Georgia, has some notable successes. The Ashkenazi Synagogue has services, a Hebrew school, and a daily minyan. Sibili has a Jewish museum. Construction on the grounds of a former synagogue and in the ancient Jewish quarter, and with government money, and to celebrate its Jewish history. The JDC Joint Distribution Committee has said camp has camp programs throughout the year throughout the republics of the former Soviet Union. The camp is run by Israelis who come back year after year. For $1,100, a teenager gets two weeks of Jewish camp, where they are taught traditions, history, and religious life skills. In addition, the, where I'm getting this information from, the authors visited the Grand Sephardic Georgian Synagogue, you know, uh, because Sephardic can, you can, because uh, if you're not Ashkenazi, you follow the, uh, you know, the Sephardic liturgy, but you're not actually of, there's lots of Jews who are not actually of Sephardic, um, background, but they still follow the Sephardic like prayer style. Georgian synagogue, large, maintained, and functioning. Sibili also has a Jewish center which houses Hillel, programs for the elderly, youth programs, and the, and Chesed. Through Chesed, we met Maya Borkersavili. Maya is 88 and homebound. Her for family, a product of communist persecution, lived, and Maya still does, in one room. She has no kitchen nor toilet. There's a communal six kitchen for six apartments with an old bathtub as a wa only water source for the building. There's no indoor toilet in the building. The building is from the 19th century, not maintained and with no heat. Maya uses a hot plate for warmth and receives disabling burns by tripping on it. Her pension is $66 per month, from which she has to buy all, sh all, she, ne all she needs. Hesed, a JDC program, shops for her, shops for her and provides her a home, a home health aid. Hesed is able to allot her $40 per month for food. You bought her food, chocolate, and a rare delicacy, bananas. Also in 2011, there were threats from Hezbollah, so most of the Jews did not at not attend synagogue on a Shabbat in February 2011. I'll be linking an article about in about it in the description, like about this uh, Hezbollah threatening Georgian Jews to not go to synagogue. In 2014, uh, Georgian Prime Minister Ilkili Gabshavili opened the Museum of Georgian Jews on October 20, 2014, as part of celebrating the, the Georgian Jewish century, uh, the, the Georgian Jewish 26th century old friendship. The Museum of Georgian Jews begins activity after 60 years, begins activity actually after 60 years of inactivity, he said. The museum, named after one of the leaders of the Jewish Association and social activist, David Bazov, once played an, an important role in the collection and promotion of spiritual and material culture of the Georgian Jews. Gashabili emphasizes that the museum restoration will further intensify the Georgian Jewish culture. The Jews have also have been actively involved in the establishment of Georgia and their life in our country. They created and shared Georgian culture, culture served to Georgia, but never lost our identity. These relations and friendships are invaluable, he added. He stressed that the Georgian government is doing everything for the friendly relation between Georgia and Israel to be more strengthened. The synagogue in Sahumi is not one of the most popular places. There are only 116 60 people in the culturally culturally charitable Shalom Society in Abkhazia. For Saturday services, a maximum of 10 people come to pray. Alexander Malis is a 30, 34-year-old and is the chairman of the organization. He he has been the head foreman for a while now. He repairs the dilapidated synagogue in which in which much much has fallen to pieces. In 2016, synagogue, synagogue goers received a pleasant surprise. A local businessman, Evgeny Palant, replaced the old wooden frame windows of the synagogue with plaster ones at his own expense. At least now, at least the wind doesn't get in through the cracks. Alexander Malis, whom, whom everyone called Sasha, is now repairing a room in order to host online Hebrew classes.
He says that there are many volunteers who help him with repairs, and even a fair number of people who want to learn Hebrew. Malis himself began coming to the synagogue only in 2013. He was born and grew up in Tsukumi. He is a hotel service manager and worked for five years as a tour guide. In between gigs, he learned a number of trades and is now a welder, carpenter, and a builder. Prayer services are held every Saturday in the synagogue. There's no rabbi, only local cantor who prays with the few that come to worship. Few in Abkhazia are interested in the affairs of the organization or the synagogue, but no one gives but no, but no one gives them problems either. There are no valuables left in the synagogue. It has been robbed on multiple occasions. There are only books on the old shelves, but nobody to read them. Alexander uh, has grown has grown out his beard. Doesn't take off his kippah, but outside the walls of the synagogue, he conducts himself in the same way as anyone, anyone else. His name was given to him in honor of his predecessors, though he has chosen a new Jewish name for himself, Betzalel, which means in the shadow of God. Finally, now, now outside of Georgia, many, oh, now outside of Georgia, finally, many Georgian Jews now live in Israel. In the United States, the principal Georgian Jewish synagogue is a congregation of Georgian Jews in the Forest Hills section of Queens, New York City, Queens, New York City. In Belgium, most Georgian Jews are members of the Antwerp Jewish community. The main Georgian synagogue in Belgium is on, is a, is on Isabelli in Antwerpen and is led by Rabbi Avi Shalom Kalazan of Yemenite origin. Most of the community is engaged in jewelry trade, with the new generation going on into more diverse directions. A second Georgian Jewish synagogue became active around 2012 under the leadership of Rabbi Yitzhak Paratsi. One notable Georgian Jew in USA is Tamir, Tamir Sapir, born Tamur Savapili, an immigrant taxi driver turned businessman from New York. Another notable Georgian Jew is Dr. Yuri Busi, born Yuri Busashvili. Who's known for being the physician for the actress Lucy Ball? Doctor Busi developed a successful career as a cardiologist, serving in the mostly immigrant Soviet community of in Los Angeles. Georgian Jews in Israel, also known as Gruzinim, are immigrants and descendants of the immigrants of the Georgian Jewish communities who now reside within the state of Israel. During the Ottoman period, the Georgian Jews have traditionally lived separately not only from the surrounding Georgian people, but also from the Ashkenazi Jews in Tbilisi, who had different practices and language. Beginning in 1863, groups of Jews began making Aliyah, mostly for religious reasons. By 1916, 439 Jews, Georgian Jews lived in the Mustafa of Jerusalem, mostly in Jerusalem city near the Damascus Gate. Most Georgian Jews who made Aliyah were poor and worked as freight handlers in Jerusalem. After the Six-Day War, Huge number of Soviet Jews began protesting for the right to immigrate to Israel, and many applied for exit visas. Georgian Jews made up a large percentage of this number. They were among the very first to begin protesting, and were among the most militant of, the, of campaigners. In August 1969, 18 families wrote to the Human Rights Commission of the United Nations demanding permission to make Aliyah. This was the first pu public incidence by Soviet Jews for immigration to Israel. The Israeli government and Jewish world campaigned on behalf of the plight of the Soviet Jewry. In July 1971, a group of, a group of Georgian Jews went on a hunger, strike outside, a hunger strike outside a Moscow post office. The determination of Soviet, Jews, Soviet Jewish activists and international pressure led the Soviet, Soviets to lessen their harsh anti-Jewish policies. During the 1970s, the Soviets permitted limited Jewish immigration to Israel, and about 30,000 Georgian Jews made Aliyah, with thousands of others, of others leaving for other countries. Approximately 17% of the Soviet, the Soviet Jewish population emigrated at this time. 
1979, the Jewish population in Georgia was 28,300, and by 1989, it had decreased to 24,800. Thus, the community, which had numbered, around eight, numbered about 80,000 as recently, uh, recently in the 1970s, largely emigrated to Israel. M while most Soviet Jewish emigration was individual, Georgian Jewish emigration was communal. Due to Georgian Jewish traditions of strong extended families and the strict part patriarch patriarchal nature of Georgian Jewish families, Georgian Jews immigrated as, as whole communities, with emigration of individuals causing a chain reaction leading to more emigration, and brought their community structures with them. For example, nearly the entire Jewish population of at least two Georgian towns made Aliyah. At, time, at the time immigration started, Israel had a policy of, of scattering the population around the country, and was experiencing a housing shortage, with the result that, the, that, the, that Georgian Jews were assigned housing in different parts of the country. The Georgian Jews began demanding that they be concentrated together, and the new crisis re re reached a fever pitch when several families threatened to return to Georgia, and new immigrants, forewarned by the predecessors, began demanding to be placed in specific areas upon arrival. Although Prime Minister Golda Meir criticized the Georgian Jews' desire to isolate themselves into ghettos, the Israeli immigrant absorption ministry eventually bound to their demands and began to create concentrations of around 200 families in 12 areas of the country. In Israel, Georgian Jewish immigrants successfully immig integrated to society but faced certain problems. Georgian Jewish immigrants were usually able to find jobs with ease and, and often worked in light industry jobs such as dock workers, porters, and construction workers but faced certain issues. One major issue was religion. The Georgian Jews were often devout and had fiercely clung to the traditions in the Soviet Union, and were stunned to discover that Israeli Jews were mostly secular. As a result, Georgian Jewish immigrants demanded their own separate synagogues to continue their unique religious traditions, which the government agreed to, and enrolled their children in religious schools rather than regular schools. In Israel, most Georgian Jews settled near the coast in cities such as Lod, Bayam, Ashdod, Holon, and Rehovot. There are Georgian Jews in Jerusalem as well, with several prominent synagogues. This trend of concentrated communities, the trend, this trend of concentrated communities of Georgian Jews in Israel, has changed, has changed, and the population is much more integrated now, and, and is more homogeneously dispersed in the country, and is now successfully integrated in every sphere of the society. As a result uh, of a major emigration wave in the 1990s, the vast majority of Georgian Jews now live in Israel, with the world, the world's largest community living in the city of Ashdod. Summing things up in my personal experience, I only know two Georgian Jews, one who I have spoken to on various occasions, and one that I know from my past associations and Jewish organizations by seeing on video call, and when I last saw him, he still lives in Georgia. Also, in my personal experience and opinion, since there are not a lot of Georgian Jews outside of Israel and Georgia, they basically identify with Russian and Soviet Jewish culture, as Georgia was under Russian control for almost 200 years. In conclusion, it's low-key sad that Georgian Jews are not well known and that, that much and are basically grouped in with Russian Ashkenazi Jews when in actuality they have a much different history than Russian Ashkenazi Jews who only started living in Georgia in, in the early 1800s as opposed to Georgian Jews who have been living in Georgia for almost 3,000 years. In the next episode, I'll be talking about Kurdish Jews, a group of Jews originating from Kurdistan coming out on June 1st. Thank you for listening to this episode. Peace out, and until next time, this is the Worldwide Jew, signing off.